Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. This week, Joel Nagel starts a new mini-series called Love Without Limit, with a sermon discussing John chapter 11 called Resurrection Life. Amen. Happy Easter. It's so good to worship with you on Easter Sunday. And I love that song. It really leads into our sermon and our text uh, that we're going to uh, learn about and, and read through together today. Uh, and this just feels just worshipful to tell God, hey, we've, we, like, we've been seeing all of this death, um, but we know that you have life. And that's what we'll learn as we get into the message today. Uh, before we get into the message, I want to uh, continue our, our prayers through the Psalms with Psalm 42, and we'll do the very last verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Uh, Lord, all throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Psalms, the prophets, there are so many glimpses of what you planned to do on Easter Sunday. And they looked ahead and they thought about the turmoil and chaos, uh, but, and, and even, even the, the death that happens in our lives uh, and in our world, and they knew that you had something big planned. Uh, we have the privilege of not looking forward to that and hoping, but looking back and celebrating because we know what you did. Uh, that's what we praise you for this Easter morning. We're so grateful to gather together, and we pray that your word uh, could hit our hearts, that we could listen, that we could feel your presence uh, in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's talk about um, today, uh, we start a new series that is uh, called Love Without Limit. We're going through the Gospel of John as a church. I want to invite you to keep coming back if you're new with us today uh, and and hear about the rest of John. Things are about to really get intense uh, in the Gospel of John uh, by the end of this chapter. Uh, It's all happening, but today we're going to talk about resurrection life from John chapter 11. Uh, Easter is a celebration of life. In Michigan, Easter usually lines up really well with the first leaves on the trees, the first flowers, um, all, of, all of the beauty, and, and, it's, and it's such a beautiful Easter uh, Sunday today. Every once in a while in Michigan, Easter lines up with snow, or a tornado, or both, a snow-tato. I don't know what that's called, snow-taters? Um, but today, man, what a, what a beautiful morning, right? In general, we think about this, this is it. Everything is coming back to life. Amen. And then we have this holiday with the decorations, uh, these secular kind of symbols of Easter that also celebrate life. The bunnies, the pastels, the Reese's eggs, the weird plastic grass stuff, the, yeah, the peeps, all the stuff, right? I don't know if all that stuff celebrates life, but I think that's what, what it's supposed to do. Uh, it definitely um, celebrates our economy, but it also celebrates life, amen? The death of winter has been overcome by the life of spring once again. Here's the thing. The fact that we're celebrating the victory of life over death 
tells us something about the world that we live in, doesn't it? We live in a world that's dominated by death. In fact, that's gospel. We like to talk about the gospel a lot here. We like to talk about how the gospel kind of happens in four stages or lenses or movements. And the first thing, first part of the gospel or the good news is creation. That God created everything, including us. And I just want to look at everyone in their Easter finest. Look at this creation. It's amazing. It happened. This is, that's gospel. You can't deny it. Here we are. But then, part two of the gospel is our sin, which has led to death, leads to death in our lives, but also everything that has life in it will die. Because you can't live forever in a world that's dominated by sin. Part three. This is, this is where it gets really good. God had a plan to redeem us, to buy us back from the sin and death that we earned. And that's what we celebrate this weekend. Good Friday, Jesus' death on the cross. Saturday, the greatest day of waiting in the history of the world. And then Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, here we are. He is risen. Amen. Jesus' redemption buys us back. But there's one more part to the gospel because we still live in a world with sin and death, don't we? We could sing that song, all this death we've seen, because that's what we see. And that next thing, that's what we sang about at the end of that song, is restoration. God's plan is to make it all like sin never happened. Bring, it, bring us back to what was supposed to be. What I want to do here is I want us to travel back in time just a few months before we travel back in time 2,000 years and get into John 11. Just a few months. Remember a few months ago? Maybe you're like, I'm trying to forget. Remember that the end of fall, the leaves were beautiful, but then they weren't so beautiful, and then they fell and they were gone, and everything was kind of de dead, and winter started to come, and the wind got colder. Remember that? Remember that a few months ago? Everything went to sleep and, and waited for spring to come again. But I want you to imagine now, imagine spring doesn't come. This year, the bulbs don't pop up from the ground. The grass doesn't green and start to grow. The branches on the trees just stay barren. It all just stays dead. That would be pretty disappointing, wouldn't it? It would also be an ecological disaster and the end of the world. Uh, we count on spring, don't we? Like mental health-wise, we count on spring. Uh, ecologically, we count on spring. We need it. We need spring. We believe in spring. We put our hope in new life every year to the point that it's expected. And maybe even taken for granted. Like, did anybody worry in January? Like, oh, I don't know if spring's going to come this year. I don't know. We'll see. I want you to keep that thought in mind as we read about death and life as we continue in the Gospel of John. So turn to John chapter 11 if you're not already there. If you've been following along with this series, uh, we started in John chapter 1 and we've been marching through the Gospel of John, spending time with Jesus, asking ourselves this question, do we know the gospel, we know about Jesus, we live in a culture 
where people know about Jesus, but do we actually agree with what John said? And so way back, um, we, we went with Jesus to a wedding, way back in John chapter 2. That was in January during the winter that we've been talking about. We went with Jesus to a wedding, and Jesus, when he goes to a wedding, things get crazy. Um, he turned water into wine. The best wine was last. And everybody, I think, remembered the wedding unless they drank too much of the Jesus new wine, and then they forgot the wedding. But it was a memorable affair when Jesus goes to a wedding. Today, in John chapter 11, we get to go to a funeral with Jesus. And we get to see what happens when Jesus attends a funeral. Are you ready for this? Here we go. John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. It was like a record scratch. What? <laughs> Have you ever wondered what God thinks about death? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what does God think about death? Is he indifferent to it? Like, eh, it happens. He doesn't really care. Maybe he enjoys it. We talked about the, it's part of the gospel that everything that lives also dies. Does God enjoy death? You know, here we see that Jesus has a very strange reaction to the news that his friend Lazarus is sick. I mean, think about it for you. If you're like, oh, man, I really love you and your family, and I'm so sorry that you're sick. Anyway, see you in a couple days. That's not how we respond, right? That would not be an encouraging response. We would rush to see our sick friend. But Jesus waits two days. He says, so he waited two days before getting up and then making that two-day journey to Lazarus. Jesus waits, and Lazarus dies. Let's read on. Pick up in verse 7 here where we left off. It says, Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. They're like, we should probably not risk our lives and go to Judea and just let him take a nap. That would be a little bit better, right? Uh, that's, that makes sense. Verse 13, Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also, that we may die with him. And that's how I think he said it. Uh, it wasn't like, let us go, that we may die. I was like, all right, we'll go to and die. Um, 
Tom's got a little history. There's, there are uh, daily devotionals on IAgreeWithJohn.com this week. You can learn more about Thomas and, and his life. Amen. Uh, but quite the company that Jesus kept. Uh, like most of the things that we've seen as we've gone through the Gospel of John, Jesus is so unpredictable. He's the very opposite of boring. We think of religion and church and Christianity as boring. No way, if you're really following Jesus, are you having a boring time. Instead of going to visit his sick friend, he decides to pay a visit to his dead friend. It's not normal. It's not what we do. But all of this is going to help us see what God thinks about death. Let's read on. Verse 17. It says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to, to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping, uh, also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Talk about critics. Whew. I want you to understand and just kind of sit with the significance of what I just read to you. We're reading a story written almost 2,000 years ago about how people dealt with death. Even if this wasn't in the Bible and Jesus wasn't the main character, if this was just like some ancient manuscript, this would be an incredible work of literature, an incredible insight into the human heart. And I think we think we've changed so much. But you'll see in a moment just how much we can relate to what's going on here. John chapter 11 is really an incredible snapshot of raw human emotion that we all feel, no matter what century we live in. Did you notice as we read that each person dealt with the death of Lazarus differently? 
Martha hears about Jesus, and she gets up and goes to him when she hears he's coming. And she says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Which is like the most faithful disappointment a person could ever have, right? It's like, you're so powerful, but why weren't you here? And we feel that with God sometimes, don't we? You're so powerful, but where are you? Why aren't you here right now? But then she, then she says, but I know that God will listen to you. I know that Lazarus will rise to the last day. She's, the way she deals with this grief, it's like she's the good soldier. She's trying her best to put her, her best face on, her best foot forward, and, and maybe even smile a little bit, and have, hold on to hope through this hardship. And then she goes and gets her sister Mary, and Mary starts with the same line. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, they had talked about it. Like, if Jesus had been here, our brother would still be alive. Where was he? She says the same thing, but did you notice Mary doesn't have any of that faithful stuff afterwards? She's not trying. She's on her knees before Jesus, and she's, she's in the depths of despair. She can't muster the faithful right answers in this moment that Martha gave. You know what's amazing about that is Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He's moved by her sorrow. You know, in, the, in all of this death that we face in our lives, we all react differently, don't we? Everybody deals with death differently. That's okay. You see it here. It's okay to react differently. And I think a lot of times we, we can try to be religious when we face hardship in our lives instead of being real. We try to have the right answers instead of just being raw. And you can see, I think there's a place for both of those things. And, and what I want us to think about is, are we allowing the people in our lives to experience both of these kinds of grief? Or are we expecting people to, to be Martha, put on the good face? I thought she was faithful. I want you to, you can look around the church. This week after, what do we do after Easter? Look around at your job this week, your classroom, your neighbors, your friends. You know, everybody's dealing with death in some way. That's gospel. The death of relationships, the death of dreams, and the death of loved ones, actual physical death. If we're honest, there are so many tiny deaths that come before the end, and everybody processes those differently, and that's okay. You know, in my best moments as a driver on the road, and there's not a whole lot of those, <laughs> when someone in front of me is driving terribly, I try to remember there's been a few times where I felt like I had to drive badly. Like when my dad had a stroke, I was flying down the highway to try to get there, right? And, and, and I, so I try, when someone's driving crazy, I'm like, maybe it's like a medical emergency. You know, maybe they're late, they've got the cake in their car uh, for a wedding and they need to drive that slow. Uh, you know, like, either way, I'm not happy either way. Too fast, too slow, okay? And I'm not going to talk about my worst moments. You can imagine, right? But I, I, and I want to use that as an example. It's so, it's so important for us not just to practice empathy when we're driving, but I hope you do, but to remember that life is full of death. And we're all just trying to deal the best we can, amen? 
And so I want to ask you, as, we, as, as you take Easter into this week and into spring all around us, how do you show empathy? How do you encourage, even, even minister to people who are dealing with the death that the world is always throwing at us? This is what's so amazing is uh, we get a master class from Jesus on this because it's not just Martha and Mary who are dealing with their grief in this passage, but it's Jesus as well. Even though he's got the power to raise the dead. And in fact, that is what he had planned even before Lazarus had died. It still breaks his heart that his friend died. The effect that it has on Martha and Mary and all of the people who've gathered to mourn causes Jesus to weep. We started off this message asking, how does God feel about death? God hates death. He mourns death. The little deaths, physical death. He doesn't like tear up because of death. He breaks down. He weeps. Now we talked at the very beginning of the sermon or service back in January, this series, I'm sorry, about Jesus being the logos of God. That's the Greek word that, that John starts his gospel with. And, and it's and a way to think about it is like the logo, like when you see a Nike swoosh, that little logo encapsula, encapsulates this huge multinational company that sells awesome shoes. Uh, and dominates basketball, and Michael Jordan, all that. All of that is represented in this logo. And in the same way, but in such a greater way, Jesus walking the earth is all of God if he were a person on the earth. He's the logo of God. When you look at Jesus, you see God. You can concept I can't conceptualize all of the things that Nike or Amazon does, just like I definitely can't conceptualize God but I can look and see the logo and be like, oh, that's what God is like. That's what Jesus is for us. And so when we look at Jesus, we see God perfectly. And so how does God, how does God feel about death? It's devastating. It breaks him down. God weeps. And I wonder if all of this, if we could remember Mary and Martha and Jesus in this moment in Bethany, and it could help us all just to practice a little more patience, a little more empathy, compassion, and care. And if that wouldn't make a huge difference in the world we're living in. Even as we pick up the story here, we'll read this last part. You'll see, even again, how heartbroken Jesus is and what it tells us about our God. Picking up in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, she's always the practical one, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead 
four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Can you imagine? The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. It's been said that if Jesus hadn't directly said, Lazarus, come out, all of the dead would have risen from their graves. Such is the power of God to raise the dead. This is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. You know, it's not supposed to be something we celebrate once a year. And I'm an advocate of those Reese's eggs being around all the time. It's the perfect ratio of chocolate to peanut butter, in my opinion, out of all the shapes. Amen? Uh, but it's not supposed to be something we celebrate once a year. Or even a thing that we celebrate at all, necessarily. The resurrection is supposed to be a truth that we live, not just celebrate. A truth that we live, that it changes how we live. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus is the logo of God. He's all of God boiled down into a person who walked on the earth. And his, his I am statements that we've been seeing as we've gone through John, they teach us not just important things about Jesus, but important things about who God is. Remember, I am is the Hebrew word for God. Each time Jesus says, I am, he's not just talking about himself, he's making a proclamation about who God is. And so he says, and we've read this, I am the living water. You'll never be thirsty, you'll be sustained by the Holy Spirit. I am the bread of life. We're to feed on Jesus, to be sustained by our relationship with God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the path to God. I am the light of the world. He's come to illuminate God for us. I am the door and the shepherd. He cares for us. He protects us. He gathers us. Even just one of those I am statements is a claim that none of us could make. Each of those is exactly what we'd want God to be able to do. If you think through those, let's say we're God shopping. Like, can God gather us together? Can God light my path? Is God, is, can, can this get me to God? Will it sustain me? This is what we want. You put them all, that's just one. You put them all together, and that is divine. But you know what? There's one missing. And it's actually the thing that is the most important thing of all. If we're looking for a true God in a world that's filled with death. Our God needs to have an answer for death. Our God needs to have power and mastery over death. So what does Jesus say about God and about himself in this passage? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
God has death figured out. We sure don't. <laughs> we don't. But God does. It still breaks him down, devastates him, causes him to weep. But it doesn't confuse him. He doesn't wonder about it. He doesn't come alongside you know, the dying and, and shrug his shoulders. I don't know either. Hopefully someone will figure this out. Wouldn't that be a terrible story in the Bible? Nope. Our God is exactly what we need for our greatest need. He's a master of exactly. Little deaths and the big one. There are two questions I want you to sit with this week after, the, after you sit with some ham and some cheesy potatoes. These are the questions. First of all, do you believe in resurrection? I mean, I know you're here on Easter Sunday, and I'm so glad you're here, but let's be honest, this is the one day that people come to church if they don't go any other day. Do you believe in resurrection? It's not just Lazarus. It's not just Jesus. An orthodox Christian faith says it's going to be us. Do you believe that? And that leads to the second question. How does believing in resurrection change the way you live? How does believing in the resurrection of the dead change the way you live your life? Jesus is the resurrection, do you believe it? And the life, that's what he says. Now that doesn't make death any easier. It doesn't mean you should judge people who are crying at funerals. Don't you believe in resurrection? Wipe away those tears. But it should change the way we live. It means that even in the, even in the most hopeless situations, there is hope. It means that nothing is ever all the way dead. Can you, do you believe that? Can you believe nothing is ever all the way dead? Relational struggles, they can be revived. Deep down sins can be overcome. Heartache, it's not permanent. But you have to believe it every day, not just on Easter. You have to believe it like you believe in springtime. You believe that springtime always comes after the snow. We talked about this. You believe that the that leaves will grow on the barren branches. You take it for granted that everything that seems so dead isn't really dead. It's just waiting to come back to life. What if we just assumed resurrection? We could still be blown away by it. It's amazing. I'm blown away by spring. Every season, I'm not like, oh, here's spring again. Big deal. What if we just, what, we just assumed it? In all of the little deaths we face, it hurts. We grieve. We grieve in our own way. But it's okay. 
Death is not the end. And one day, Jesus will return. The one who redeemed us will return to restore us after this winter of sin and death is finally over. And he'll come and he'll say, take away the stone. And he'll speak to the dead. Not just one dead man or woman. He won't say, Lazarus, come out, but just come. And the dead will rise. John would write about it late in his life. At the very end of our Bibles, in, in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. There's actually, we already know the script. We know what Jesus will say. The spirit and the bride say, come. Same word that rose Lazarus from the dead. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. We get glimpses of what this looks like throughout the scriptures. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I just want you to imagine this as I read it. In verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and, will sound the, and, will, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. I wonder what that would sound like. Maybe like, come out the dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable. And we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. This is, this is like, can you imagine really believing this? Taking this, taking new life for granted. And you kind of, you get to, you get to laugh at death a little bit, and the little death that we feel and the big death even. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to our God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, believe it. Live exceptionally because of it. Happy Easter. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God.